Good morning. Let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these words in 2 Corinthians. We pray as we look at them together that you'll speak to us through them by the power of your spirit and help us to live them out for your praise and for your glory. Amen. I feel really loud, Andy, and um, boomy. Thank you. We live in a world that loves entertainment, don't we? We love entertainment, whether it's a movie or going to the theater or listening to music or watching the latest box set on TV. We love to be entertained. And one of the things that we love to be entertained by is watching people use their talents on TV. Britain's Got Talent, The X Factor, The Voice, um, this talent show with Vernon Kay on a Saturday night, whatever that's called. We love to be entertained. And it was no different for the people in Corinth. They loved to be entertained. And the crowds were gathering their numbers to listen to people speak. They would gather and listen to these people who would use these persuasive uh, ways of speaking to win the crowd over. The Corinthians loved to judge these traveling speakers that came in. It was a bit like, it was a bit like the X Factor or another talent show. They would get up and speak and the people in the crowds gathered would judge how good they were. And they loved it. It's said that the essence of flattery was to discover what the crowd wanted and then give it to them. They didn't really mind too much about what the person was saying, but they loved the way that they said it. And as the crowd listened, if they weren't sort of into it, the speaker would change to draw them in. If they were loving it, they would go with it. The crowd was the judge of these speakers. But when it came to Paul, they were sort of disappointed with Paul. He didn't speak in a way like the others uh, that the crowds loved. He didn't come uh, with this uh, polished speech to win the crowds over. It's not that he couldn't do that. It's that he chose not to do that. We uh, read last week in chapter 2, at the beginning of chapter 2, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul didn't come speaking as these expert elite speakers did. He came in weakness so that when he proclaimed Christ, the people weren't wowed by how Paul presented that message. But they saw then the power of God at work in their lives. And so the danger for the Corinthians uh, was that they would think that Paul rejected that kind of worldly wisdom. That he rejected all kinds of wisdom. And so Paul in the rest of this chapter, in chapter 2, uh, addresses that issue. He says in verse 6, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, 
but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. The message of the cross that Paul preached is wisdom, but not the wisdom of this age. It's a wisdom for the mature. And the mature that Paul is referring to is the believer, the Christian. In this context, the mature is the Christian, the one who has heard the good news of Jesus and him crucified and has responded in repentance and faith. And this wisdom that Paul preached is God's wisdom. Oh, there it is. Okay, we've got a visitor with us this morning. I wonder what everyone was looking at then. It's a flying bird. Okay, let's carry on. This wisdom that Paul brought is God's wisdom. It's a wisdom that we're told was hidden, that has now been revealed. Now, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Can somebody deal with that bird? Has anyone got a BB gun or something? This mystery, this thing that was hidden that Paul speaks about, was God's plan of salvation. We know that as we go back into the Old Testament, we read and know uh, God had a plan to bring salvation. The thing that was hidden, the mystery, was how that would happen. And we know that as we move into New Testament times, it was Jesus who was God's plan to bring salvation. God knew before the beginning of the world what it would cost him to bring salvation. He knew that his plan would lead to Jesus and the cross. That was the mystery that has now been revealed. And that is God's wisdom. That is the wisdom of God. The cross is God's wisdom. And so we have the religious leaders and the uh, Roman authorities who in their wisdom put Jesus to death. They thought they were getting rid of a troublemaker. Yet it was actually the plan of God for Jesus to die on a cross. We read in Psalm 24, who is he, the king of glory, the Lord Almighty, he is the king of glory. And it is that king of glory who hung on the cross, who died to save all who would repent and believe in him. That is God's wisdom. That is God's plan. But how do we know that? How does Paul know that? Who told you this, Paul, we might ask? Well, verse 10 says, It was to us that God revealed the things, these things by the Spirit. These things, God's wisdom was revealed to Paul by God's Spirit. 
Jesus said in John 16, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. The promised Spirit, uh, this promise of the Spirit that Christ made to his disciples would come and reveal God's wisdom. He would come and teach his disciples. And there are three things in the rest of our passage that we see the Spirit doing. The first one is this, the Spirit reveals. I wonder if uh, you can tell me what I'm thinking. (laughs) That'd be a good guess. You only know what I'm thinking if I reveal it to you. I don't know what any of you are thinking um, unless you tell me what you're thinking. It's true, isn't it? And it's true for God. No one can know a person's thought except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Only God knows his mind. Only God knows. And we can only know if God tells us, if he reveals it to us. And so that is exactly what he has done by his spirit. He has revealed to us the wonderful things of God that he has freely given to us. The we that Paul refers to in those verses are the apostles. They were the ones who first received this revelation of the gospel. And it was given to them by God's Spirit. God has freely given us all that we need to know about Him, about Christ, and about Him crucified. So often today people say that truth is relative. We can believe if we want that two plus two is five. In this postmodern world, all truth is relative. What's right for me doesn't make it right for you. And that's especially true when it comes to religion, when it comes to God. It's all guesswork. We can't know if there is a God or not. Well, what's Paul's response to that? Yes, we can know. Because God has revealed it to us. We do know. Because God by his spirit has shown us. He's shown us secondly by the spirit who inspires. The spirit who inspires through the word. Through the scriptures that we hold in our hands. Paul believed that in 2 Timothy 3.16 we read, All scripture is God-breathed, is inspired by God. It's the same word used uh, in Genesis as the Spirit of God hovered uh, over creation. 
Peter believed it to Peter 1, for prophecy never had its origins in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And in our passage this morning, in verse 13, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. God's truth needs God's word to communicate clearly what God wants us to know and believe. It was revealed to the the apostles who then wrote it down for us, which we hold in the Bible. Here in in this book, we have the very words of God taught by his spirit. It's not simply a human book written by people. It's a book written by people who God spoke through, ensuring that all uh, that he said is exactly what we have in this book. Yes, it's written by human hands, but the author of the Bible is God. The Holy Spirit is its divine author. And so if we want to live by the Spirit, we must be people of the book, of his word. Excuse me. This is why we can trust our Bibles. This is why we can trust our Bibles as we pick them up as we read them. Because God is the author of it. There are so many people in the world who look beyond the Bible. They say... It's a 2,000-year-old book with little relevance for our world today. There's some who say things like, I know the Bible teaches this, fill in the blank, but I believe the Spirit is telling us this, and fill in the blank. But that cannot be right. It cannot be right because the Holy Spirit who inspired the Bible will not contradict himself. If you want to hear God speak and be led by the Spirit, we must be people of the Word, of His Word. It also means that we must be people of prayer. Because if God is the author of this book, we need His help to understand it. And so we read it and we pray asking God by His Spirit to bring to life the words that we read in this book. Yes, we are blessed with so many resources that help us understand this book. Books, commentaries, teachers, conferences, the list goes on. But what we need more than anything is God's Holy Spirit to help us understand his word. We study hard, we pray hard. And so finally, the Spirit illuminates it's possible to read the Bible and not understand it. Some can even read it and think, this is a load of nonsense. And I've had lots of conversations with lots of people who have that view. This is nonsense. You're a fool to believe one word of that book. We see that in our passage this morning, verse 14, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit 
It all sounds foolish to them, and they cannot understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. It can seem foolish to people. I don't know if you've ever been in those situations where you've been talking with people, sharing your faith maybe, or something from the Bible, uh, and they just look at you blankly. What are you talking about? You may even think of it uh, for yourself before you became a Christian. You might have picked it up or you might have heard it uh, from somebody or you've heard it in school and you've thought, that's a lot of nonsense. But don't be surprised by that because we need the Spirit to give understanding. Martin Luther one of the reformers said, the Bible cannot be understood simply by study or talent. You must count only on the influence of the Holy Spirit. John Calvin wrote, the testimony of the Spirit is superior to reason, for these words will not obtain full credit in the hearts of men until they are sealed by the inward testimony of the Spirit. Don't be surprised by the response of unbelievers. Instead, be motivated to pray. Be motivated to pray for them because if it's true that the Spirit is needed to bring to life the words of Scripture, the truth about Christ, the truth that we're all sinners who need a Savior, then we need to be in prayer that the Spirit will do His work in people's lives. Be in prayer often for our unbelieving friends and families. May has become uh, that time of the year where we join with Christians all over the world for thy kingdom come. And part of that is praying for five people each day that they will repent and believe. Maybe you could join in with that this year, praying for five people. Praying that the Spirit will bring light and life to that person or to those five people. God's wisdom can be known. Paul goes on in verse 16, quoting from Isaiah, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Paul quotes that and the expected answer would be no one. No one can know the mind of the Lord. But he goes on to finish but we have the mind of Christ. It's, it's an amazing thing that Paul writes. Who can know the thoughts of the Lord? Who can know the Lord's mind? Humbly we can say, we do. Because we have the Spirit within us who reveals God's wisdom to us. What a privileged people we are as God's people. And so what does that mean for us practically? Well, it will impact how we live our lives each and every day. We, what would Jesus think in this situation? How would Jesus respond to this particular issue? What would Jesus say to that person who I really struggle with? What would Jesus' attitude be in a difficult workplace. What decision would Jesus come to for whatever it is we face? 
What a privileged people we are as Christians that we're not left wondering how to live as God's people. He speaks to us through his word, by his spirit, helping us to live lives that honor him. Who are the wise? Who are the mature? It is those who know Christ because it has been revealed to them by his spirit who illuminated the word that we have so that we can honor him in all that we do. What an amazing God we know and worship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words that we've read this morning. Thank you that by the power of your spirit, we know you. We know your love for us shown in Christ. We thank you that in him, we have forgiveness and new life. Lord, we pray that you'll help us as we read your word, that your spirit will bring to life the words that we read. Thank you that in Jesus, we have his mind. Help us, Lord, by the power of your spirit to live in such a way that brings you all the praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray.